With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to the Inside the Oval podcast presented by Dignity Health. I'm Haley Jones. And I'm Patty Kwan. And today we are joined by Executive Vice President of Finance, Jeff Fong. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Jeff, what are your responsibilities as EVP of Finance for the 49ers? Sure. So um, I oversee the finance, accounting, and payroll teams uh, reporting to our chief financial officer. Uh, for finance, I uh, think budgeting, forecasting, and long-term financial planning. Uh, on the accounting side, I would break up the teams as we have a accounts payable team, so uh, paying our bills, uh, accounts receivable team, collecting our money and recognizing revenue. We have a reporting team that reports our financials to the league, to our lenders, and supports all of our audit requests. And we also have a team that uh, focuses on, uh, say, non-NFL events, such as concerts and soccer soccer games. And then I think a lot of people know what payroll does, because payroll makes sure that all of our players and staff, uh, guest services, uh, workers, that they all get paid accurately on, t- on, on time. And I would say they're probably everyone's best friend. What does your day-to-day look like? Oh, good question. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start by saying there is never a dull day and every day is a little different. Um, some examples, well, on the accounting side, we just finished uh, four audits. So um, that the accounting team was especially busy the past three months focused on that. Uh, on the finance side, say we're currently right now working on analyzing our financial results for the month and working on publishing our monthly management reports that will go out to all the budget owners. Uh, I'm also working with our director of finance on some analysis of our longer term revenue streams. On our payroll side, uh, a big project for us is we plan to upgrade our technology. And so we're working on uh, evaluating who may be a really good vendor uh, to partner with us as we um, you know, always try to be best in class in terms of the technology. And we really feel like um, we could make significant progress on innovation and efficiency uh, with our organization. And then last is I have around uh, 20 people on my team. 
So the whole um, people management and uh, really for me, important to like set the local culture. And uh, right now we're really focused on, you know, getting better every day. Uh, we're making sure that we're working as a uh, synergistic team to maximize efficiency. And, uh, you know, we, we always um, talk to the team about thinking differently. How can we do things better? And so that we, um, you know, we always try to have a vision of what does best in class look like and how can we get there? I feel like setting the culture is really important in any job force, but like, I think you're an, a really amazing leader in your department. Like you're the people in your group love you, but also within the organization as a whole, like you have been an ERG sponsor and um, really been willing to talk to like anyone who needs like advice or help or, did you have a leader when you were first getting into the workforce that you model that off of, or how did you kind of come up with how you were going to lead your group? You know, I think that I, I won't point to one specific um, person, but I will say over time, I've worked with some really cool and great people. Uh, my first job was at Ernst & Young and I was put in a position, I think my second year, where I started managing uh, six different people. So I was, I think I was probably like 23 years old. And all of a sudden going from a, a first year staff where people tell you what to do to people seeing that you had some potential and saying, well, why don't you manage like three different audits and six different people? And so, um, but the good part about working for a large organization like Ernst & Young is that they had, they had some uh, formal trainings. And so I thought that I got some really good feedback really early on. Both I got the exposure to managing people, but I also got uh, I also got experience and formal training. Now as I've gone you know throughout my career, I've, I've met some really great people. I think that uh, one person that also stands out is that my former uh, chief marketing officer at Juniper Networks where I worked at, um, I, I really uh, enjoy talking with him, and I really like that he was so respected. He he was very successful before he came to Juniper, and I believe he's a, he's a CEO CEO of a uh, a tech company right now. But he would always give it to me straight, and I really appreciate it in terms of how he set the local culture. He would tell me things like privately, like, "Hey, here's some things um, you may not want to hear, but I think that this is like." really like honest and it would be good for you to hear it and i always appreciated that because you don't always get that from everyone you mentioned feedback and we kind of talked about feedback prior to recording um do you have any tips just throughout your career on both receiving feedback and providing feedback Ooh, that's a good question i think that in terms of providing feedback it's really helpful for me as I like set up my team to share what my goals are. Uh, that's important for me because that's transparency. I, I don't mind sharing what my goals are with my entire team. So all 20 people on my team, they know what um, my boss, our CFO, how he measures Jeff. So you can see like what all my goals are. And what I try to do is I try to then have the people that report to me and let's say they report the, the next layer down is that all the goals like line up. And so that we're all 
going towards the same goal. So if I'm successful, well, then that must mean that other people are hitting their goals as well. What I don't want is like a misalignment where half the team has a goal and it doesn't align with where I'm at. And so setting those goals, I think is important because it gives you something to measure against. And then when we have those conversations, we can have those honest conversations against uh, how they're doing. And so it is specific feedback. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I, I try to always keep it straight because I, one of the things that I really value is, and I think is part of my purpose of what I get enjoyment is, is the seeing people continue to grow and succeed. And I think that people can do that if they get the honest feedback. And sometimes I may notice subtle things that they may not notice themselves. And um, when I see people succeed, um, I've taken one of those personality tests recently and I got like coach. And I think that kind of fits my personality because I really want people that interact with myself, ask for feedback to um, the, the best feedback I ever get is when I see people succeeding. I got mastermind and it worries me. I just don't like <laughs> that title. <laughs> you said that you were working at Ernst & Young. Did you ever expect yourself to make a transition to sports? I, I did not. I, uh, you know, my career path was after Ernst & Young. I went back and got my uh, MBA at uh, Berkeley. So I've worked at Ernst & Young for five years. And then I worked at some large technology companies doing a lot of cool finance roles, very interesting roles, very different that I think gave me a, a broad perspective of finance. But I never, until I got here, I never knew too much about the business of sports. I was always growing up here in San Jose. I was always a 49er fan and I knew about the team, uh, but I didn't know about the business side. Thank God for podcasts like this, where people can learn a little bit more about the business side. Did you ever think you would, you know, be working for your hometown team? You know, I, 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 I didn't. Uh, I, it was just really, it, it, the, the path is, is just, I think what I would say is this. One day in 2014, I was talking to a ex-colleague of mine from Ernst & Young, so granted, this was probably at least 10 years since I had worked um, with, uh, with my friend and we're both 49er fans. And so I remember one day just asking him, do you think the 49ers have any finance jobs? And, and as I mentioned, I didn't know anything about the business of sports, but I just threw that out there. And it was funny because he responded, I don't know, but I know someone who does. And so we've all probably heard that before and you're like, okay, well, if he did anything, that would be really helpful. Uh, what he did was that he Facebook messengered the CFO of the 49ers copied me on it and gave me a really good recommendation. And so we got to that step and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's nice of him. But what was the most amazing part was that within a half an hour, she actually responded and said, you have pretty good timing. I'm actually trying to build a team. 
why don't you send me something about yourself? Facebook Messenger. That's crazy. I don't know how many people can say they got a job via Facebook Messenger. Yeah, and so that's <laughs> I think uh, for the audience, the maybe the lesson is that a positive working relationship and friendship from 10 years prior um, ended up helping me to get this fantastic job here at the 49ers. And so you never know like who can help you or who's watching your performance every day. I think that's one of the things I struggle with is networking. Like we meet so many people and I have so many connections from different teams, leagues. My thing is like always the, how often do you reach back out? How do you stay connected to them? Like, have you ever gotten through that process and made it where it feels natural to reach back out or to just connect every sporadically? Well, one of the things that I do is that if I, I I use my LinkedIn. And so if I see someone in my connections, get a promotion or just post something interesting, I might not always post on like their public responses, but I may shoot them a private um, message note just to say, hey, how are you doing? Just to keep in touch and keep your name and your connection there. Uh, I'll tell you from the highest level, a a really cool story for myself was that um, as part of Apex, I was probably one of 300 people who watched uh, Kim Pagula, the uh, you know the owner of the Buffalo Bills, give a presentation, and I really like enjoyed you know her 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 talk and and the message that she had, and so um, I was able to figure out her email address, and I just shot her a note afterwards and i wrote in the email like what i enjoyed about her talk and also let her know that i was starting you know um, i was the executive sponsor of the 49ers apex group and what was really cool was that i want to say like within an hour she wrote back a very nice message and in terms of like keeping like a network what i thought was just uh, and it, it made me really happy when she uh, reached it back out to me is I think that maybe you say call it within the next year she had met some 49er alumni at an event and it triggered her that like oh I remember that I you know had an email conversation with Jeff before and she like proactively just reached out and sent a note and let me know that hey just want to know how you're doing but uh, um, I met some 49er alumni out here and I just you know I was like over the moon to get that email. I thought that was like really cool. How has your role evolved over your last nine seasons with the team? I think for me, um, what was really cool about this job was that I was the first financial planning and analysis hire back in 2014. So right before Levi Stadium opened. So I'm going into my 10th season now. And when I was first hired, you know, I mentioned I have 20 people on the team now. So I was like the first one. And my responsibilities then were to develop the vision of the team, you know, 
figure out like what skill sets and who are the right people for the culture for the team, uh, develop our budgeting and reporting framework, and then decide like what type of technology we were going to use. And so that was really like the, the role that I had right when I started, which was exciting for me because there's very few times that you ever get to be the first one. And so you get to set the vision, you get to hire the people, you get to pick the technology. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to hire some great people. Um, and, you know, some of the decisions were pretty tough because I, you know, there's, there, there was tough interviewers in the process and it was not always unanimous. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately like we made the right decisions and and i i was fortunate to have final call and everybody that came on has been fantastic and i can honestly say that they've all done really really well um, whether they're still here or not um, we got everyone to buy into the budget process which was new and then i was able to successfully implement the financial planning solution so i think because all those things went well over time, I was able to continue to gain more and more responsibility. And, you know, I started as a senior manager in 14. I think I got promoted to director in 16, uh, vice president in 2018. And then uh, at the end of 2021, I became uh, the executive vice president of finance and in my current role right now. You mentioned interviewing. I'm curious if you, because you have interviewed and hired a lot of people, yeah. if you have any either red flags you look for when you're interviewing someone or things that people have done or that you look for that set them apart. That, that's a good question. So I, I'll tell you a story here is that, I, you know, I told you earlier how I got introduced to the CFO of the 49ers and her name was um, Sephora and great person. Um, loved working for her. And the two questions that she asked me are questions that I always remember. And this is how I felt like, okay, I'm actually, I have a chance here. And she said to me, um, she said, Jeff, you work at Juniper Networks right now. And she said, I get so many resumes that they all start to look similar, including my, mine. And Behind her, she had this big stack of paper, and I, and she said, "So I have 700 resumes behind me. Tell me what makes you stand out from the rest." Whoa! And I was like, you know, so if you ever support is listening, she needs to tell me if that stack was real. But it certainly it was a high stack of paper. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think that for everyone, for a tip is that, you know, I look for people who, whether you're working in sports or not, and you and say you want to work in sports, is like, what are you doing right now to be great at your current function? Doesn't matter what industry you are. Like, I'm always curious for people who um, are striving to be great at what they do. And then secondly, I think where this question goes to is like, then they know what differentiates them and make it easy for the interviewer to understand. And you can do that, I feel like, in a, um, in a, a confident but humble way, if that makes sense. 
You mentioned being the first in your position. Did you feel any pressure coming into that role? And if you did, like, how did you manage that? I definitely felt pressure because I was switching from an industry that I was more comfortable with to an industry where um, functionally I was confident in my skills, meaning like finance, but industry-wise, I didn't have any experience. And so how am I going to figure out who the right people to hire are? How am I going to figure out like the technology we use? And how am I going to get people to buy in on the budget process that I think will work the best for this organization? Uh, fortunately, one of the things I noticed is that my boss um, was Scott Sabatino, and he uh, later became our CFO after Sapora uh, um, um, left to go into um, additional endeavors. And so what I noticed about Scott was that um, he was really busy like during the day. But if you waited around until after hours, he was always willing to spend time uh, with you to learn the business. And that's what I needed to do is I needed to like learn the business. And, and Scott like did something that was really cool for me is that the first time I met with like budget owners, because of the finance role, you meet with a lot of different people. And so let's just say there's 40 different budget owners. He went with me to each meeting and I could tell that everybody really liked and respected him. And for somebody who's brand new, that's like an awesome feeling to know that people really enjoy working with your boss, um, are willing to share information. And so I was like, okay, like if I can leverage and have these positive relationships like Scott does, then I, that's going to build my confidence every day that I could be successful here. And I think that, you know, what I tell people in finance is that, well, you could be the smartest person in the room with the biggest pedigree, but if people don't want to work with you or you can't get information, then it's going to be really hard to do your job. And so um, maybe a takeaway for, for any of the managers like listening is that you hire people for a reason. There's something that you really liked about them. Uh, think about, are you always putting them in position to give them the best possible chance to succeed and show the skill sets off that you think that they have? I'm curious, like you are a very well-liked and respected person in this organization, but I think with your job, it also comes with telling people no, or like there are like, we don't have an infinite budget. <laughs> How do you balance both of those? No, that's, that is a very, very good question, right? And I will say that this is more like art than uh, science. And this is where um, I, I think like people's like, you have a different relationship with each person. And that's why relationships matter uh, because how I may approach it with say one person on the football side could be totally different of how I approach it with one of you. But I try to connect 
always that, you know, what is the overall organization's goals? How does that fit into with our priorities? And then have that specific conversation with them. Because yeah, as you said, it's not always easy and there's always a more ass than resources available. I'm going to take it back about a few months ago and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but you took a risk uh, leaving your former job to come here. You know, I think you said it was title wise, it was a little bit lower, maybe pay wise was a little bit lower. Can you take us through that experience and maybe what your thought process behind that decision was? Yeah, sure. So when I ended up getting the offer, you know, after, you know, I was introduced to Sephora, after I, you know, the uh, interviewed great with, say, Scott and Sephora and others, and, and the offer was made, then the question was, okay, I don't know anything about the business of sports. I feel like this is an exciting opportunity. I had just recently got promoted to director at my tech company, so Juniper Networks, and I thought I had a pretty bright future there. As you mentioned, Patty, this role on paper may have not looked as great to some because it was a lower title. Uh, it was lower in compensation. And most people, I think, in our careers, we think of like going in a linear line up. But what it came down to it is that, you know, it was an extremely unique opportunity to lead and build the finance team. So going back to like, you would be the first one. So you did, did feel like I had control that if I could build the team from scratch, I could do it my own way. And when I looked, when I thought forward and I said, okay, when I look back at my career, I didn't want to be in a position asking myself, like, what if, like, what if I did this? Like, where would I have been? And fortunately, my wife also loves the 49ers and was extremely supportive. So that really helped as well. Uh, but that was really my, my thought process. And it ended up turning around, you know, where I'm at. I'm still here uh, going into my 10th season. So it, it's been amazing. Going into your 10th season and like looking back over that time, do you have a favorite memory with the 49ers? Yeah, the, my favorite memory was our NFC championship game here. That was that was just exciting to see Raheem uh, go off. He, I think he had, what, 220 yards, four touchdowns, and to win the game and just see, you know, family, friends, all of our colleagues together celebrating. I personally, I remember um, – I gave Jed like a big hug you know, after the game. And so that was a cool memory of mine. And I, and I, and I remember it's funny that uh, I think it was my wife was asking me, Hey, do you think we can go on the field and, and celebrate? And I didn't, and I told her, I didn't, I didn't think so. Uh, but later on, uh, I think they let everybody like out there. And so, you know, I saw all of our colleagues out there. So it was pretty fun to, go out there, see people doing like snow angels with the, all the confetti. And so that that's a really uh, uh, my favorite memory so far. I remember we got an email from like stadium ops or someone and they were like, please, like you are allowed to go on the field like tonight only. And everyone was like, okay. <laughs> 
I think that's a lot of people's favorite memory. I mean, it's mine. So, and I feel like the amount of times we ask this question, I'm going to say about 80% of the time it is the NFC championship game because it was just to your point, it was a great memory. I don't know about you, but I saw the confetti from the ground. I like took a handful of it, shoved it in my bag. And now it's sitting like in a little jar on my like fireplace. No, so I, I should have done that. I have the I have the pictures of it, but <laughs> I don't think I have the actual confetti. Jeff, can you tell us about your role as exec sponsor of Apex and how you kind of seen the ERG grow under your guidance? Yeah, so I started as the uh, executive sponsor of Apex in 2020. And at the time, I think we were the first club. So the first team to um, have an Apex group. And a big shout out to Jazz, who started it up um, and asked me to be the executive sponsor uh, because without him and all of his push to get everything set up, um, you know, I think that we got going a lot faster. And I think my original thought when he had asked me to, to partner with him on this is that we would focus on networking and professional development. And that's probably an area that I'm most comfortable with. But in you know 2020, call it early 2021, there was the rise of um, API hate crimes. And you know what we had talked about is our, I felt like our membership really needed was like a safe space to kind of discuss their feelings. And it was a really tricky time because most of us are at home um, during COVID. And so we can read on the news, but we don't really know like what our colleagues are, are feeling and, and kind of, you know, we, we, we don't, we're not in the office. So it's hard to get, you know, just run into people and ask them like how they're doing. And I remember one specific incident that uh, Jazz and I, I think we're texting each other and, you know, there was something in the news and we said, hey, should we just do like a impromptu Zoom and see who shows up? Uh, because this is how we're feeling, but we're not sure like how everybody else was feeling. And I just remember like in a 12 hour period, we had like 25 or 30 people show up, which was a significant number. And people were really like sharing like their honest feelings and it was really powerful. And so, that was kind of like the start of really, you know, where Apex, Apex, you know, got going. And, you know, I think now to see us evolve where, you know, Patty with you and Sarah's leadership and having six passionate, what I call like up and coming leaders on our board and all the stretch goals, I'll say that we have from putting on cultural events like new lunar new year, to the AAPI Heritage Month, um, we just had to professional networking events. I think that's been really fun to see the ERG evolve. And, and I love seeing, it, it makes my job easy to see that we have six people that are really like driving things for the organization. And, you know, ultimately we've talked about that our mission and vision is that we want people in our membership to be able to max to be able to maximize their potential, whatever that may be. Um, and I think that uh, we're going to make a lot of progress just this year. 
uh, and appreciate all of your your leadership. Not only, obviously, you're heavily involved in Apex, but you're also at probably every single executive speakeasy that Women Connect puts on. Why, you know, why is it so important, I guess, to get involved and to uh, promote inclusion within the 49ers? Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, to me, I've always been a big believer of like playing it forward. You know, you get to a certain position in life. You don't want to be the only one, you know, and, and I feel like just in general, um, having a diverse workforce with diverse opinions is really good for business. I've been fortunate to get to this point in life. And I'm, and I'm always learning every single day. I can learn from all of you. Um, I'm always reading, trying to, you know, get better every day. But I'm also trying to share, and I really enjoy sharing um, for people, anyone who's interested in listening, um, you know, things that I've learned along the way. Um, and probably the greatest feedback that I most value is if someone ever just, you know, pings you down the road and says, hey, remember you t- we talked about this? It actually like worked pretty well. Here's what I'm doing. And, and, and to me, that's like something that I get a lot of satisfaction out of. You're also, we're just listing things off now, but you're also a loyal supporter of the 49ers Foundation, um, which again, has a great cause and beneficiaries, but what kind of took you into the role of wanting to support them? And then do you have a favorite foundation event? Yeah, no, I think that, um, as you mentioned, you know, my wife and I are, are loyal supporters of the foundation. Uh, we really enjoy giving to great causes. And, you know, certainly I know you've had Justin on here and he does a great job of running the foundation. And, and we certainly are big believers in the foundation's mission of educating and empowering the youth through innovative strategies. I just think that it's the foundation is very well run and has such amazing support from, you know, ownership, front office and, and players. So, you know, I think Justin has introduced my wife and I to so to very interesting people who are doing great things in the community. And, you know, the, it, it, when you believe in something, it, uh, it, it really is something that is, is personal, but it's really, you know, kind of like integrates everything that I do in like life, right? It's kind of like people talk about work-life balance. I really believe in like work-life integration. <laughs> And being able to integrate, you know, pieces of my life that I find are very important and be able to do some of it, you know, a lot of it through the 49ers is is always, you know, I have to pinch myself sometimes in terms of events. So probably two events come to mind. The picnic was really, really fun uh, because I got to both volunteer uh, for part of the time. And then my family, uh, parents, and my brother's family was there and his kids. And so for them to get to experience some of the things that I see every day, I thought was really cool. Now, specific, I guess, big event, the 2019 Golden Getaway was a lot of fun. I remember I, I sat I think at dinner, I sat next to Coach Sala, who was our defensive coordinator at the time. 
and now he's the New York Jets head coach to so to see him succeed and he was such a cool guy great conversation at dinner that I that I remember um, so I remember that and then of course uh, uh, Flowrider performed in in 19 so that was um, something that was pretty cool looking back at favorites I have another one we do like a as a whole front office uh, like day of service we've cleaned up a riverbank, we've built playgrounds. Like, do you have a favorite, um, like getting out in the community with the front office memory? Yeah, no, I, th I thought it was very unique to clean the, the creek. That is like something, like that's an area that I didn't even know how to get to that creek at the time. And so, um, but um, having see so many of our front office staff come out to help and to hear from the organizers um, how this helps out the community. I think that's an event that definitely um, stands out in my mind. That one was funny because Patty and I wandered out of the creek. Like there was a bunch of trash towards the highway or towards the road. So we had wandered out of the creek and we were going up this hill and then we like turned around and everyone was gone. <laughs> And we were like, did we get left behind? Are we stuck in this creek forever? We were really in the zone. Yeah. We just like kept following trails of trash, which is like sad to say that there's just so much trash down there. But we were, I was trying to fill my bag. I was like, you know, the things that you found down there were kind of crazy, but that well, was a really cool event. You probably fill a lot of bags then and we're very focused. Yeah, it was crazy to see the piles like at the end when we were done. And even just like the bulk items that wouldn't fit in a bag. So this is this is our plea to for everyone to keep our keep our creeks clean. <laughs> Jeff, you've done it throughout this episode, giving like little tidbits of advice. But do you have specifically any advice for anyone who wants to get into the sports industry? You know, I, I've listened to uh some of the podcasts and i agree with all the advice there um yeah i've heard uh, don't be free afraid to reach out and ask for help uh be okay with coming in at a lower level to get your foot in the door i think that what i'd add is you know it's a numbers game sometimes and there's just not that many positions so to maximize your chances i would say uh, be open to relocating and don't just focus on teams, but there are jobs at the league offices. There are jobs at agencies that work and support sports teams. Um, and there's even like tech companies that, you know, may have a sports arm or sports focus. And so to, you know, if you're playing a numbers game, since we're here and uh, I work in finance, then may give you the best probabilities. And then, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, th think about what you're doing, you know, make, make sure that you're also great at what you're currently doing, you know, whether that's social media, selling, finance or accounting, because I, I'm always interested about learning about people who are the best at what they do, regardless of industry. And in certain, some of these jobs, if you have a great functional skill, similar to myself, you may be able to come in and someone may be able to teach you like the business side of it. 
But the thing that if you bring something that's great from a functional side, um, that can certainly be a, a way in. I think that's really important too. loving the thing that you do rather than it being in sports necessarily. Like if you love social media, you love finance, because like I've seen so many people who come here because they just want to work in sports and then it's hard and they burn out or they're not passionate about the thing that they're doing outside of sports. And then they just don't love it as much. And that's always hard to watch because you're like, could have come with like one thing that you really wanted to do. Yeah, no, I think that's great feedback because this job is probably like optimal because I get to combine my passion for sports and finance. But all the jobs that I mentioned earlier that I've had in my career, they were all very positive experiences. And I think part of it is that I really enjoy finance and accounting. Um, and so functionally, if you at least enjoy that and are striving to get better every day, uh, it's kind of just adds a different layer of satisfaction to now be part of the sports industry. When you were in school, did you have a favorite class? Like, did you take a finance and or accounting class? Well, I, I can rule out the classes I was not good at. <laughs> I, I could say that the, the ones I probably enjoyed the most were probably like, corporate finance um, and, and starting to learn when I got into, I think my junior and senior years in college, um, I went to the business school there in, in Berkeley. And then you start taking more specific business classes. And, and I enjoyed some of those classes. I'm not the best, I would say, if it comes to statistics, or if you give me the SAT math questions, like uh, the hardest ones on there. I'm probably not the person that like solves the questions as well, but um, I do understand finance concepts. I love to read <laughs> about finance. And, and so that's something that's probably more in my wheelhouse than uh, history. Last question. I, every job description has that like bullet point that's like other duties as assigned at the very bottom that is just so broad and vague, but during your nine years here, have you done something with the 49ers that you would probably consider as an other duties as assigned? That is your favorite question, huh? <laughs> I do. I ask it. I think I've asked it for over 50 episodes now. Let me think. Uh, I, I think I, get, I have two of them that are, that are kind of fun. So um, Patty knows that some of us, like we play hoops in the morning at the gym and uh, I've been known to sweep the floors if they're too slippery. Um, I, I have no problem going to the front desk and saying, hand me the mop and let me like mop it because we don't want anyone getting hurt. So I have no problem doing that. Another fun one I think is on game days. Um, you know, probably the last five years or so, I typically walk around in, in a suit. And so if you go, if you go on the main concourse, you know that you potentially can expect to get a lot of questions. And so they don't necessarily know that I'm the EVP of finance. You're wearing a suit. They think that you can answer most questions. So I actually, before I go to each game, I remind myself and I actually like study a little bit. So I like look up, I have like a map, a picture that I can access very quickly of the stadium of where all the sections are. 
And I do like for our um, concessions program, our member inclusive program, I look at where all the stands are and read all the instructions. And because people have asked me like, how does this work? And um, I pride myself on being able to try to answer as many questions as I can. That's funny. Like instead of like just wearing plain clothes on the concourse, you still wear a suit, but you like educate yourself knowing what comes with wearing the suit on the concourse. Yes, yes. I I, I know that uh, I've got into a few situations where I do think that when people like look at your credential, they'll they'll give you a little bit of a pass because it says uh, finance and not, you know, head of guest services or head of security. But um, I've been I've been able to answer most of it. I remember one time it was a tricky question. And fortunately, um, our uh, head of security saw me and he came over and he he helped me. So uh, I appreciated that. Do you have a like favorite question that someone's asked you? Like you get it and you're like, I can answer this. I'm ready. I think the uh, my favorite question is just where things are. What's the fastest way to get somewhere in the stadium? Just that looking at it before I head out to the game that helps because it's like fresh in my mind. That's incredible. I I always get lost. I cannot give directions for the life of me. We've been here, you know, six seasons and it still takes me a while to like configure like where north, south, you know, everything is. So kudos to you. I got to study the maps more. <laughs> no, not that anyone will ask me for help, but. All of our interns started this week and they were like, how do we get to? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I should know and I, I don't. And, and you know the the thing is is that practicing it with nobody around and trying to either answer the question or bring up the map quickly when somebody's asking you the question um, those is a, that's a little different because it feels like if you can't bring it up right away, it's um, it feels like the seconds you know feel like minutes. <laughs> I love it. You're taking to heart your own advice, just being really good at what you do and loving it. So I love that you love to give directions at Levi's Stadium. Um, Jeff, this was really fun. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I know it's been months in the making, and so we're super excited and glad to finally have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed myself and uh, really enjoy working with both of you. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings 
is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 